as you've probably figured out this morning from my uh, little time with the Connect group that I've uh, lost my marbles um, and memory. And I just realized another one that I gave Samantha completely the wrong Bible reading. That was my, that was my mistake. Um, so I, I, I apologize profusely. Let's, 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 let's reset and let's start again. I hope I've got the right message, you know. I mean, I only figured it out this morning anyway, so that's fine. No, I'm kidding. Right, Colossians chapter 4. Won't you open up with me? Colossians 4. Sorry, Sam. It's one of those. Right, Colossians. Uh, no, d- d- don't go there yet. Let me, let me read the scripture uh, to you. I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read the passage. I'm only going to preach on one verse this morning, and I'll explain everything as we go along. So here we go. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 2 is the, is the scripture. Here's the passage. Devote yourselves to prayer. Colossians 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, if you were here last week, as I read that to you, you you might be wondering, I hope you're wondering why I've gone from Colossians 3 verse 9 to 17, into Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. You might be wondering, why have I skipped out the passage on wife, husband, child, parent, and slave master? Now, just so you know, no, I'm not ignoring it. I'm not just uh, skipping over it. I will come back to it in the next couple of weeks. The reason why I've jumped from Colossians 3, 9 to 17 over into chapter 4, verse 2, is because it's all about prayer. It's all about prayer. It's the start of a new term. And I want us as the body of Christ to start in an attitude and a heart of prayer. Tonight is also our termly prayer dinner, as you heard from Simon. And I hope that this message will be of such encouragement to you this morning that you would willingly want to come tonight and be devoted to prayer with the body of Christ. I was hoping to sort of bring you the whole passage from chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, but in my preparation and study for this morning, I just didn't even get out of one verse So all that you're going to get this morning is one verse. doesn't happen very often. Colossians 4 verse 2. And I want to read it to you straight from the Greek because it is so, so beautiful and so simple. Here's the Greek of the verse that I'm bringing to you. In prayer continue, watching in it with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer, watchful in it, with thanksgiving. Let me pray as we start. Father, thank you for this opportunity to open your word to your people this morning on watchful prayer. May it please you by your spirit to grow us as your people 
in watchful prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you my first heading. Continue in prayer. Continue in prayer straight out of that verse. On page 17 of D.A. Carson's book, Spiritual Reformation, he writes the following. He says, It is nevertheless true that by and large we are better at organizing than agonizing. We are better at administering than interceding. We are better at fellowship than fasting. We are better at entertainment than worship. We are better at theological articulation than spiritual adoration. Better, God help us, at preaching than praying. I'm going to suggest to you this morning that that statement is probably true of some of us here this morning. It's probably true of some of you that are listening online. Answer this for yourself. Let's say, for example, that I say to you tonight, you had an option. At 5 o'clock tonight, 5 p.m., you could come and pray, or you could come and listen to a preach by John Piper or Billy Graham. Which one would you come to? Now, I know that that's a little bit unfair. But I think, generally speaking, if we had a choice whether to hear preaching or pray, we would take, we'd take preaching. One of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why so many churches don't have Sunday evening services is because recreation, relaxation, and entertainment are more important than God's people worshiping together. I mean, for goodness sake, BBC, one service is enough, isn't it? I mean, and for an hour and a half, I mean, that's pushing it just a bit, isn't it? But when it says in chapter 4, verse 2, continue in prayer. If you've got the NIV, it will say devote yourself. That's a, it's, a, it's a good translation. When it comes to devoting or continuing in prayer, Paul was a man who lived what he taught. The famous expression, don't do a do as I say and don't do as I do does not apply to Paul when it comes to prayer. He was a man who continued in prayer. If you've got your Bible and you flick back into the book of Colossians, you'll notice he says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul was a man that was devoted to prayer. Chapter 1, verse 9, For this reason, we have not stopped praying for you. If you look at that passage in chapter, chapter 4, verse, verse 3, and pray for us too, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, uh, 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 pray that. Paul, ask, uh, Paul praying to the Father and Paul asking believers to pray for him was something of a heartbeat. Some Christians really struggle to pray. You may be one of them. And in conversations with Christians, Christians will say something like, well, I don't really know what to pray. I, I, my prayers seem to be like a shopping list. I just sort of... Um, is, it, is the mic lost? Try that one. Hello, are we back? One, two. Hello? One, two. No one? One, two. We're back there. Oh, dear. 
one of those mornings. Right. So let me back a little bit. So, so some Christians will, will turn around and say things like, well, well I, 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 I don't know what to pray. I, I, I don't know how to pray. I'm struggling to pray. My prayers feel like a shopping list. Let me ask you, and I want you to think about this. What is your prayer life like? Do you struggle to pray? If you say you do struggle to pray, have you ever stopped and thought about why you struggle to pray? Struggling to pray is not a sign that you should stop praying. Struggling to pray is a sign that you need to keep on learning how to pray and persevere in it. It really would be an, a very good thing for you this morning to really stop and, 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 and examine your prayer life before the Lord. And in the book of Colossians, Paul gives us a very significant key to praying. A very significant key that will devote us to prayer. A very significant key that will help us to continue in prayer. For Paul, prayer was like breathing. For Paul, prayer was something he had to do. It was something that he wanted to do. And let me show you the key in chapter 2 and verse 6. Just then, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. As I showed you last week, it could be translated, continue to live your lives with Him. With Him. It's going to sound a little cliched, but I hope it is helpful. Christians walk and talk with their Lord Jesus. That's what Christians do. You remember in the Garden of Eden, God before the fall, He walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Jesus walks with His people every single day. Christ in you. Chapter 1, verse 27. Let me try and make this personal for you. You are not saved by a doctrine. You're saved by a person. You're not saved by a doctrine. You're saved by a person. Salvation is not merely an escape from hell into heaven. It is that. It, 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 at the very minimum, it's that. But salvation, salvation is really an escape from a dead relationship with Jesus Christ to a living one with Him. Salvation is a, is a living relationship with the Son Creator of the world who is the head of His body and He fills His whole body with His Spirit. When Jesus spoke about salvation, He put it like this, Come and follow Me. When Jesus spoke about salvation, He said it's like it, salvation is about coming to love Him more than anybody else in the world. You remember these words from Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then Jesus said these incredible words in John 17 verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Salvation, eternal life, being born again, new creation. At the very, very essence of all of that is to know the Father through the Son. And, and the Apostle John, when he was writing, he put it like this in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12. He said, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. 
Let me put it a little bit more personally. The Apostle Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus, remember that? He was saved, right? He was converted, Acts chapter 9. What exactly happened? Jesus did what? Jesus spoke to him from heaven. That's what happened when you got saved. Jesus spoke to you. He called you. He called you by name. He gave you a new heart and a new mind to walk with Him and talk with Him every single day by faith until one day you will do it in eternity, face to face. In other words, devotion to prayer is about a devotion to Jesus. A devotion to prayer is, is a devotion to talk to him about absolutely everything. So what is prayer? Prayer is about crying out to Jesus in all the agonies, all the hurts, and all the disappointments of this life. Prayer is about praising him. Prayer is about calling to Him for wisdom. Prayer is about asking Him for daily bread. Prayer is about casting all your fears and anxieties onto Him because He cares for us. It's about bringing everything to Him in the highs and the lows, in the ups and the bumps. It's about crying out to Him for our sons and daughters that are lost. Prayer is about sharing, listen to me, prayer is about sharing your life with your Lord. Let me show you some extraordinary words from Jesus himself. Listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Now listen to what he says to them. Then I tell, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The question is often asked, do you know Jesus, right? Does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? See, who is Jesus to you? Is he just your ticket out of heaven, a ticket out of hell? Or is he your Lord, your master, your king, your lover, your creator, your savior, your friend, your prophet, your priest, your king. Prayer, continuing in prayer is a devotion to talking to Jesus, sharing your life with Jesus who bought you with his blood. Second part of that verse, continue in prayer. Being watchful in it. Being watchful in it. Now, it's an extraordinary little phrase. Continue in prayer and be watchful in it. Now, the question that we've got to ask this morning is this. What does it mean to be watchful in prayer? What does it mean to be watchful in prayer? And I want to give you two answers. The first one is that you need to watch for answers. If you're going to be watchful in prayer, watch for answers. I'll explain. 
Psalm 4 verse 1, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Psalm 17 verse 6, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. I want to ask you this question. Do you expect Jesus and the Father to answer your prayers when you pray to him? Do you expect him to answer? Now, when I ask you that question, I'm not asking you, do you expect Jesus to say yes to everything that you ask? But do you expect answers? Do you expect him either to say yes, no, maybe, wait? Now, being watchful in prayer means that we need to be thoughtful about our prayers. There are times when we've just got to go to Him and we've just got to gush out all our heart and all our confusion and, 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 and we know that Jesus is just going to hear everything that we say and He sits down next to us like a, like, like, like a good friend and we just verbally put everything out. But we are to be expectant that God is going to answer as He knows His best for us. This expectancy to, for God to answer really struck home recently when I was reading James chapter 1. I'm going to read the verses to you. Take a look at this uh, from James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. We should expect the Lord not only to hear, but to answer, especially when we're asking for wisdom, wisdom to live for Him. And wisdom in the context of James is saying, God, give me wisdom to know how to live in the trials that you've given me. In other words, it's very easy to pray like this. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, show me the way. Lord, help me. But then not to expect any answer. And then we pray and we just go out and we do our own thing in our own way, whichever way we want to do it. Let me share a little quote with you from... Uh, some wisdom I'm praying from a guy called Craig Hamilton in his book on leadership. And I'll just quote it to you. Here's what he said. I used to pray that God would help me make the right decision, but I wasn't particularly clear on what I was expecting or asking him to do. And this lack of clarity led me to praying these prayers less and less. So I changed what I prayed for. I started praying like this. Dear God, help me to not be a coward. Help me to make the decision that is best, not the one that is easiest. Keep me from making a decision out of fear or laziness. Help me to get all the information I need to make this decision. Get me talking to the right person, reading the right book, the right blog, understanding the right passage. Help me to see the implications of the decision clearly. Help me to articulate the reasons why I feel this is right. End quote. It's a wonderful a quote on watchful prayer. The Lord hears and He wades through all our blubbering confusion and incoherent cries. But there is a place for very careful 
considerate praying and asking yourself, what exactly am I praying for? How exactly do I want the Lord to answer? How will He answer? Think this through with me. We pray for wisdom. Lord, should I do this? Should I do that? Lord, should I go left? Should I go right? Lord, should I go up? Should I go down? Lord, give me wisdom. How do you expect the Lord to answer that? Lord, should I go this way or that way? Should I take this job or that job? How do you expect the Lord to answer? Is he going to write it on the sky? Paul, take that job. Paul, go left. Or maybe we just sort of, we're looking for wisdom and we sort of got the Bible and we, we do the flip the Bible option, flip it open and put your finger on the verse. Ever done that one? It's quite dangerous actually. Let me give you an example. Christian was praying, Lord, I've been offered this new job. Oh, Lord, I've been offered this new job, but I don't know what to do, Lord. Do you want me to take the job or not take the job? Should I go? Should I stay? Should I leave my current employer? Should I go to the next one? And, and they weren't getting any answer because the Lord wasn't writing it on the sky. And they decided to do flip the Bible. Flip the Bible, pin the verse. And as they flipped the Bible, pin the verse, it landed on Matthew 24 and verse 16, which ended up like this. 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Oh, the person went, oh, my current employer is the abomination that causes desolation. And I need to flee from my current employer to the next one. Now the Lord in his humor and his kindness can actually lead us to make some decisions that way. But I will suggest to you that if you do the flip the Bible, pin the verse, most often than not, you're going to make decisions that are the very opposite of wisdom. You've got to have good interpretation of the Scriptures. You've got to have chats with wise people. You've got to read good books. All those are the good means by which God answers the people, answers the prayers of His people. Just uh, last week, a good friend of mine phoned me. And he said to me, Paul, can I ask your advice on something? And the question related to some advice he needed as he needed to approach a particular situation with a friend of his. There's no, Bible in the, there's no verse in the Bible that says you're going to do it exactly in, the, in a particular way. The general principle is that, that basically his words needed to be seasoned uh, with salt and full of grace, but he wasn't quite sure how to approach it. He said, can I ask you? I gave him my opinion and he said thanks and he went on his way. Now, whether he took my advice or not is absolutely irrelevant. I'm sure that he asked a couple of other people. He would have mulled all the stuff and he would have made a decision and he would have handled the decision with the best wisdom that he had. I've been, uh, I've been looking at my own prayer life. And I've discovered a couple of things about my prayer life. I've discovered that there are some things I just don't pray about. I just don't pray about them. And I've asked myself, so why, why is that, Paul? Why are you not praying about that? And here's the reasons I came up with. is One reason I don't pray about everything is because I don't actually think Jesus is that interested in what I pray. I also have this idea that Jesus won't answer some of my prayers. But very hard, deep down, is that the reason I'm not talking to Jesus about everything is because I'm not sharing my heart with him. Been watchful in my prayers recently, and uh, I had two wonderful answers. They were actually both yes. They were rather unexpected, but they were wonderful. 
was on holiday up north recently, and uh, one evening, it was late, it was about midnight, it was in the caravan, it was dark and cold, and, and I was really struggling with some pain. And I was really, really tired. And I normally wouldn't pray about those things at all, never in fact. But this passage was on my mind and very much part of my heart. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I cried out to the Lord. And I, I knew that I could only get some medication the next morning. And I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, there, right in that camera, I said, Lord, would you, would you please take this pain away? And would you help me to sleep? I'm so tired. And I tell you, remarkably, I don't know, it was within about a minute or two of that prayer that that pain had gone. My eyes fell droopy. And I went to sleep. Hey, you could sit here and say, oh, it sounds so stupid. It's just coincidence. But I knew it was an answer to prayer. And I was thankful. My wife was sharing with me that she keeps a prayer diary. And one of the reasons why she keeps a prayer diary is because she's so watchful of how the Lord is answering her prayers. And she's been so encouraged by how the Lord has been working through her prayers of late. But watchful doesn't mean that we expect God to say yes in everything. But expectant that He will answer because He hears the cries of His children and He will answer according to His purposes. You know, I want to tell you this morning, I have got some stuff on my heart. I have got some heavy stuff. I it feels like a millstone on my heart. I have been praying about these things to the Lord year after year after year, and the Lord has not yet answered. He has not yet said yes to that, and I keep on praying. But I am watchful to see how He's going to unfold. Some Christians turn around and say, Well, Paul, when do you stop praying about something? How do you know when you're supposed to stop praying about someone or something that you've been praying for for so long? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know when that is, and I don't know how that all works out, but I will show you this. Take a look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Apostle Paul says, uh, he says, because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. Paul's got this thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what it is. Now when Paul says, I asked the Lord three times to take it away, that does not mean that Paul only prayed three times. It means that he prayed constantly, Lord, take it away. And, 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 but he comes to a point where he suddenly understands why the Lord hasn't taken it away. And did you pick it up? Why did the Lord not take it away? In order to keep him? To keep him humble. Let me say this to you. Sometimes you're praying about something year after year, year after year, year after year, and you're thinking the Lord has said no to your answer. Well, or, or, or he may answer down the line or something, but he's actually already said no. And he's given you the reason for saying no. When you're praying for answers or, or, or being watchful in answers, 
sometimes we've got to watch and see and see whether the Lord has said no because He's humbling us and keeping us dependent on Him. And then perhaps we might stop praying about that thing. Watchful means to be very, very aware of how is the Lord moving things and people around your life. God's providence. Sometimes the Lord answers very opposite to what you ask for in order to humble you and grow you. Watchful in prayer means being watchful for answers. But secondly, watchful in prayer means to be watchful in relationships. I wonder if you notice that chapter 4 verse 2 comes at the end of Paul's teaching on relationships. Did you pick that up? So if you've got your Bible, flick back and you have a look at chapter 3 verse 18 and you're on your way down. In fact, I think I've got a slide on this one. So I've just remembered, if you look at verse 18, he addresses wives. And then he addresses husbands. And Christian wives, Christian husbands, Christian children, Christian fathers, Christian slaves, Christian masters. Now I want you to see the flow. Here's the paraphrase. Wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, be godly in your relationships. Now, continue in prayer and be watchful. In other words, what Paul is saying is that we cannot be crying out, Oh Lord, oh Lord, help me. And then we are oppressive, unkind, unjust, ungodly, domineering in our relationships. That is not pleasing to the Lord. Let me give you some examples. Remember the Pharisees? Oh, they prayed all right. They prayed loudly and they prayed longly in the synagogues and the public places. And do you remember what Jesus said about them? Do you remember what he called them? Have a look at it in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices and mint and dill and cumin. And you could add to that and you pray and you pray and you pray. But you have neglected the more important aspects of the law justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness are all relational aspects. And one of the questions we've got to ask ourselves is this as we pray. When we're praying, are, 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 we, are we being unmerciful? Are we being unkind? Are we being unjust in our relationships when we pray? Here's one of those verses, and I... As, as that, that weaker partner bit, I think it's badly misunderstood these days, and that's for another sermon, and you can ask me afterwards, but listen to the thrust. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husband praying, Lord, help me. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, bless me. Lord, make me successful. Lord, 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 Lord. But is being abusive, unkind, unjust, domineering over his wife. You remember the Pharisee, don't you? 
Remember the Pharisee in Luke 18? Oh, Lord, I am so thankful that I'm not like this tax collector. He was continuing in prayer. He was thankful in prayer. And his prayers were vile. They were vile. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, guide me. Lord, give me success. Lord, bless me. And then we treat our spouses with dishonor. Our employees like numbers. We treat our bosses with disrespect. We exasperate our kids. And we are completely indifferent to our body relationships within the body of Christ. Lord, please help me. I mean, Jesus said exactly the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. Let me pull this one up. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now put that straight into the context of prayer. You're praying and you're watchful and you're watchful of your relationships and you know that someone has got something against you. You know that you have got something against your brother or sister. You go and fix it. You go and be reconciled. You do all that you can do to put that right. Because that's what it means to be watchful in prayer. We are watchful within our relationships. Let me give you the third one and I'm going to wrap up. It's going to be brief. Continue in prayer, being watchful in it, which means to be watchful for those answers, to be watchful about your relationships, and then... And then to pray with thanksgiving, and that's the verse. Why are we to always be thankful in prayer? Well, it's already come through, hasn't it? We're thankful because He? He hears. He hears every prayer. There's a great line from Laura Dingle's song, O Lord, O Lord, and the, Lord, and the line goes like this, O Lord, O Lord, I know you hear my cry. The Lord hears every single cry. And we're thankful because He always answers. Always. It's not always a yes. But it's always for our good. It's always according to His purposes. It's always for what is best. Have you ever thought about it this way? You realize you're praying to Jesus, right? You realize He's got the power. He's got all authority and power to answer every prayer. Do you know that? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority and all power has been given to me. We pray to a Lord who has all the authority and all the power in the universe to answer every single prayer that His children pray to Him. And you know when your prayers are so mixed up? And you know when they're so naive? And you know when they're so bewildered? And you know when they're so confused? And you know when they're so blubbering? And you know when they're all over the place? Do you know what happens then? Do you know what happens? Let me show you. This is beautiful. It's another sermon. And he searches our hearts because the mind, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I don't know how to explain that. 
But when you're confused, bewildered, and blubbering and everything else before the Lord, somehow the Spirit takes all that up and He prays for us before the throne of grace above. Somehow He puts it all together. So I have three encouragements for you. One, would you continue in prayer? Two, will you be watchful? Will you be watchful for answers? Would you be watchful in your relationships? And would you be thankful? Would you be thankful? And would you consider, would you consider tonight, five o'clock here, bring in chair supper, six o'clock we pray, would you consider coming for a devoted, watchful, thankful time in prayer as we pray through the rest of the passage from verses 2 to 6? I hope you will come. I hope you will come. Pray with me. O oh, Father, may it be that by and large we will become better at agonizing than organizing, better at interceding than administering, better at fasting than fellowship, better at worship than entertainment, better at adoration than theological articulation, Father, help us that we would be better at praying than preaching. In Jesus' name, amen.